0: and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. My name is Simon Taylor, and in this week's episode, in association with our friends at Terminos, we're looking at the changes in the banking sector in the USA. Where once the American banking sector was dominated by the biggest names on Wall Street, we've seen a major revolution in recent years. Following changes in regulation and smart new ideas from both incumbents and new players looking to shake things up, as well as unlocking the power of cloud-based banking and banking platform services. It's all changing. So what have been the successes so far? What's proved challenging? And what's next for the banking sector in the US? Before we get started with all of those questions, we just want to tell you about some things we're working on here at 11FS and a quick word from our sponsors. Fintech Meetup is the world's largest fintech meetings-only event. That's right, no speakers or content, just 3,000 participants having 30,000 online meetings that lead to deals, partnerships, and funding. If you're a fintech, bank, investor, credit union, or anyone else working in this space, you need to join. Fintech Meetup takes place online March 22nd to 24th. Go to www.fintechmeetup.com to learn more and get your ticket. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Let's go ahead and get started. As always, thankfully, I'm not alone. Uh, we brought friends. We brought backup. And I'm joined by a panel of, oh, my goodness, experts on the US market um, who are going to delve into this subject with me. Uh, Making a FinTech Insider debut, we have Mr. Dan Henry, who's the CEO over at Green Dot. Dan, uh, welcome to the show. Can you give us a little background on Green Dot?
1: Yeah, thanks, Simon. Great to be here. Um, Yes, I'm CEO of Green Dot. Green Dot is probably um, really one of the true pioneer fintechs in the U.S. We've been around 20 plus years. We're actually one of the only few fintechs in the country that actually owns their own bank. And so we serve over 20 million accounts and millions and millions of customers that we serve. So looking forward to this conversation today.
0: Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, And joining Dan and myself, we have Jacqueline White, who is President of Americas over at Temenos. Thank you so much for joining us, Jacqueline. How are you doing?
2: Doing great. Glad to be here, Simon. Thank you.
0: No worries. Um, Can you remind everybody who Temenos is and and, uh, what you do there?
2: Absolutely. So I'm President of the Americas, which is Canada, US, Mexico, and Latin America. Temenos, we we, um, have over 20 years of deep banking experience. We provide the world's best digital front-end, as well as core back-end banking software uh, for over 3,000 customers globally. And here in the Americas, we have over 1,300 customers, one of which is Green Dot, which we're thrilled to be here with Dan today.
0: excited to be with all of you, and we're not alone as well. Uh, If that wasn't enough, we've got one more incredible guest with us. Uh, We've got Vlad, um, I don't know how to say your last name, Vlad, the CEO of MBank. Would you like
3: to introduce yourself and MBank, please? Uh, sure, Vlad Lunigov. I'm the CEO and founder of M Bank. Uh, we started off as a technology company uh, about uh, six or seven years ago, and uh, about uh, four years ago, we transitioned to being a banking as a service provider. Uh, and about uh, eighteen months ago, or two years ago, we uh, we, we introduced credit union as a service. Uh, We're proud to be partnering uh, with Teminus. Uh, thank you very much for having us here, and uh, very nice to meet you, Green Dot, as well.
0: Credit Union as a Service. Uh, Super exciting to have all of those bits. And we'll get into the dynamics of the US market. Um, And I want to really get us uh, started with actually just stepping back and looking at the American banking sector and how it stands today. So, um, I mean, Jacqueline, you probably have one of the best lenses on the market given all of your clients and given all of the different types of customers you work for. What are the key dynamics, what are the key words that come to mind as you think about where the U.S. banking market is and where it's trying to get to?
2: Excellent uh, question. I ask myself that every morning, right? Uh, things are moving quickly. And really, the way I would describe it is that it's rapid acceleration Combined with transformation, and really the the challenge that I see, whether we're talking about uh, startup challenger banks, credit unions, small banks, large you know legacy uh, global institutions, it's really the speed of change. Uh, every day we talk to customers, and regardless of where they fall on that spectrum of size, they're all trying to do it, it, to some degree uh, a similar uh, feat, which is serve their customers our collective customers with a frictionless banking experience and they're trying to keep up with the speed of of the customer demands and uh, that's something that we are keenly aware of every day at temenos as we think about the products that we're taking to market what we're offering and really facilitating and supporting what our customers like green dot and our partners like mbank are trying to provide in the market
0: I think that's such a great breakdown and such a great starting point. Dan, uh, do you want to follow that point and really zoom in on the last sort of five years and what have been the biggest changes that you've seen? Um, I I liked in your intro, you described yourself as really a a pioneer in some of the spaces that have emerged. Can you unpack a little bit of that for me?
1: Sure, Simon. I, you know, when you think about just the last five years, you know, you you can't deny that the, that the, the mobile device has been such a you know, technology that just enabled so much innovation across countless industries. And the, the banking and the payments industry, obviously, is, is one of those as well. And so I just believe that, you know, the the biggest change that's happened over the last five years is, you know, the increase in the customer's expectations of why isn't my banking as easy as everything else that's now been created for me? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just there. It's just expected. And um, which has then, I think, and then that, that technology has, has created, um, you know, scale and cost um, reductions um, and, you know, and, and innovative solutions to where there are vast services and, and, and entrepreneurs can get, can take pieces of, of infrastructure on a as needed basis to put together some really great innovations and, and solutions. And so I think that that's created a a tremendous wake up call, if you will, for legacy financial institutions that they better, they better figure out how to serve this customer or they're, they're going to be left, left in the
0: dust. I love that point, the, the forcing of like having to up your game because it's, cheaper than ever quicker than ever um, and and can be just as reliable with modern technology to deliver something in this new distribution model uh, so therefore there's there's new competitors that maybe weren't there or at least one as big 5 years ago now
1: right well you just the you know the cost you know the the barriers to entry have 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 fallen away and and what when you talk about just innovation and accessibility in the financial um, space. It used to be that in order to you know, offer a FinTech or payment solution, the amount of upfront capital investment required was gargantuan. I mean, I've been in the payment space for, now I gotta say 30 years. My first business was, was um, rolling out ATMs across Central and Eastern Europe. And at that time to do that, you needed satellite communications for every ATM. A machine was $27,000. We had to buy our own software, we had to create our own data center. I mean, it was a huge upfront investment. Because today, all of those items, you know can, be, can, you know, can be offered to you as a variable cost as an entrepreneur. And then what you focus your energy on is creative ideas, solving a customer pain point, marketing to that consumer, and, and innovating. And it's super, super exciting. And when you think about Green Dot, as I mentioned, we've, you know, we've been at FinTech for 20 years. And the collection of assets that we have is unmatched by any other fintech in the market.
0: I think that's hugely exciting that we're now in a position where technology allows us to uh, focus more on the customer, Um, especially as an entrepreneur and as a builder. We're not worried about um, how's this technology going to work and, you know, I have to kill it, cook it to be able to eat it, you know, to to distribute it. It's it's kind of like, actually, a lot of that's kind of taken care of. Vlad, I want to bring you in here because you talked about the credit union space in a market where entrepreneurs can build faster, um, but incumbents have decent budgets. Where are the credit unions? Are they
3: sort of stuck in the middle a little bit, or had they been? Um, I would say credit unions are a little bit behind, uh, to be honest. Um, However, COVID has been a wake-up call for everyone, including credit unions. I think probably more so for credit unions. Um, I'm a a big fan of the credit union movement. I've been following it for some time, myself and uh, our team members. We all bank with credit unions. Um, But what we found was that this uh, member-centric model that was created in credit union Uh, space was always centered around a branch. Now as we know, branches are, you know, if not, they're not that completely that they're on the way out, to be honest, you know, at least in some places. So credit unions had to wake up. Uh, We found that a number of accounts or new accounts originated uh, with credit unions uh, starting, I guess, uh, March. Um, last year has dropped significantly. And at the same time, since we also participate in banking as a service world, we see that our banking as a service clients appear to, um, accelerate their growth. So, you know, unfortunately credit unions were left behind, but I can tell you with technology and in a similar manner with access, uh, you know, to technology basically as a service. Um, um, I think they will be able to catch up.
0: And I think it comes back to that, like they were built around customers originally. That's in their DNA. There's something exciting about that. And what I I took from what you've said and what Dan said is that the center of gravity has really shifted from the branch to the device. And how does that impact all of your manufacture and distribution if the center of gravity is completely changed? Um, And what's going to be your North Star? Can you, uh, Jacqueline, maybe give me some examples of ways you, Temenos, are working with clients across that spectrum from entrepreneurs to sort of mid-sized up to some of the incumbents to to deal with that center of gravity shift?
2: Absolutely. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, our, our customers range from challenger banks uh, to credit unions, to large banks or or what we call tier two banks that are that are becoming tier one banks. And what we're really seeing is that what's top of mind for them is really um, moving to the cloud, being able to offer, in many cases, as Dan said, banking as a service and uh, and then you know, all of the inherent security risks around cloud security because so so that's top of mind. <clears throat> and you know, it really comes down to, regulation, compliance, and combined with being able to give that speed to market, value to market to the customer. You know, there's there's really no average uh, U.S. or North American banking customer anymore. They all expect a personalized experience. So, you know, we're seeing the decline of branches, right? Uh, banking is—I always say—it's no longer a place you go and a thing you do, but it, it's—it's—it's—you know—it's a service on your on your digital device, whether that's your computer, your iPad, your your phone. And so the challenge across that spectrum of all financial uh, institutions is how do we take? You know, the pandemic has uh, accelerated this need for remote yet personalized. digital access and digital banking. How do we make that frictionless? How do we offer that to our customers in a way that uh, feels personal, even though it's remote, it's not in person, it's not at a branch? And that's really, you know, what we spend, what I spend a lot of my day talking to customers like Dan, CEOs of, of, um, you know, very innovative uh, organizations, that's really the challenge. How do we find the right technology that is turnkey ready and operational ready to facilitate uh, their mission and um, objective of serving those customers in a very frictionless, efficient, fast, effective way?
0: I, and I think on that, Jacqueline, you asked some great questions that I think every executive is is thinking about and noodling on. Dan, you guys launched your own digital bank. Um, how did you think about those questions and actually building that and getting it to market, given some of the questions Jacqueline just asked around frictionless, around all of those pieces about how they differentiate and stand out?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the the term of of frictionless and just embedded and ease of use, I mean, that was all core in our design of the GoToBank product that we've launched. Um, so GoToBank, which we launched you know, really about almost a year ago today, um, we believe is you know, is the premier, if not you know, the best productized digital bank um, in the country right now. And outside of looking in, I don't think, I, I think it was kind of like Obvious to asking, well, why hasn't Green Dot done this and done so aggressively? And so I, I arrived here in the scene about two years ago, and thought the same thing. I mean, we own a bank, and we have the technology platform. Um, as I mentioned, Green Dot 20 years ago started with distributing prepaid cards out of retail, and we still do that, and we're the largest in the country in that. And we distribute our product through 90,000 retail locations. And we are wired into the point of sale systems of those 90,000 retailers. And in those 90,000 locations, the customer can, can deposit cash into their accounts and they can pull cash off of their accounts. So in essence, you know, we are a real true financial institution, a licensed bank, not just a marketing company that markets themselves as a bank, but we truly are an fdic insured regulated institution, Okay. We have been here 20 years. We have served 30 million customers over the years. We have great technical experience and expertise. We're going to be improving on that dramatically with with the Temenos implementation. And we have 90,000 locations. We have more retail locations than all the bank branches in America combined. But we don't pay for those locations. So our cost structure is so low. I am so so excited about you know what GoToBank is is going to be able to build and grow into over the coming years.
0: And, and I think that's one example of people being able to play to their strengths and solve for customers um, from a different position um, with, with all of the uh, the assets and the parts they have. I'm interested, Vlad, in in what the assets and strengths are of a uh, of some of the credit unions, especially in this. Post pandemic world. I'm I'm really interested in like how who reacted well and what did they do? Can you get, I don't know if you have any specific examples you can share, but like what did a good reaction look like and what have you seen?
3: So um I, I think that there are uh several buckets of credit unions. So the smarter ones behave like a fintech. And there are some like that. So they embrace technology, they realize that um it's it, it's not just about the branch, you know. Uh, about two years ago, there was an idea of smart branches. I mean, even that is dead now, right? So, uh, so they they understood that everything needs to be delivered through a mobile device. So basically, it's it's right here, like what uh, Jacqueline and then said. Uh, so that's one bucket. So they they've done you know pretty well. the The second bucket is the is those who are always hoping that the pandemic is going to end and everything will come back to normal. So those ones are in a very precarious position right now because uh, most of them have not seen any growth in their membership. And quite the opposite, we've just seen that uh, we have 11 credit union clients. We see that uh, actually the member base has been dropping um, in as much as we hate to see that happen. We also see quite the reverse trend in banking as a service. You know, so so fintechs and non-bank financial institutions are encroaching on that space also. And then there's a third uh, bucket is is those who are who are neither here nor there. They're still deciding, right? So they're looking to companies like Teminus. They're looking to to a potential to our partnership like Mbank bank and Teminus to see how credit union as a service can be a solution. Because on the one hand, they cannot really afford. A full implementation. They might not be able to afford the technology that um, uh, will rip, rip and replace their existing core uh, that's always treated like a heart surgery. So nobody really wants to go for that. Um, at the same time, they really want those services. They want to be able to deliver those digital services in the manner that is now being consumed by uh, uh, by their members.
0: I, I love that point um, about sort of the, the three types uh, and and especially for those that haven't quite, you know, that are, that want the past. To come back and believe the past will come back one of my favorite sayings is genies don't go quietly back into bottles um it, it the, the the other metaphor is always the horse bolted like th- this has already happened it's what you do about it and maybe those middle ground folks have a huge opportunity and, and i love the data and, and the market position that you have there that you were able to to share uh, we are going to come back to uh, all of this stuff uh, in just a second but i do need to take a quick pause here whilst we hear from our sponsor
1: If you've been in payments for any length of time, you've seen the number of payment solutions explode. That's great for consumers, but incredibly complex for merchants and developers. That's where Primer comes in. Primer is the world's first automation platform for payments. With Primer, merchants and developers have all the underlying infrastructure and Lego blocks they need to build the best buying experiences for their customers. Learn more and book a demo at Primer.io.
0: Welcome back to Fintech Insider Insights, looking at the U.S. banking sector. While the U.S. banking revolution has been incredibly exciting so far, that doesn't mean there haven't been challenges along the way. We just talked about the pandemic before the break. There's been many, many more. Uh, Jacqueline, I'm interested in the American customer's relationship with cash. And branches. There's some really good stats that various people have put out there in the world. But you know, I'm, I'm really interested in your view of the psychology of like the consumer. Will they give up cash? Will they give up branches? And and given your perspective on the market, you know, what's what's uh, what's happening there?
2: Yeah. So you know, the consumer relationship to branch and cash have. Completely changed over these past, you know, 24 months. Uh, the pandemic, as I mentioned earlier, has really accelerated and pushed the industry, um, you know, to, to more of a, a rapid acceleration to a place it was probably already going. So we had a recent study with the Economist, and and we found that 70% of banking executives in North America agree that traditional ba- uh, branch-based banking model is going to be dead by 2025, which is shocking, right? 2025 doesn't sound that far away. And, you know, so, so we're talking about really tectonic plates shifting here of what really used to be banks, right? You went into your local bank, you knew, you were known, you knew, you knew the folks that were, were helping you. Um, but, but really we're, we're in this ex- acceleration away from that. Um we also found that about 78% of banking executives in North America agree that cash will represent less than 5%. You know, cash is going away. I don't know about all of you, but I find myself, I rarely have cash, right? Everything is tap to pay, Apple pay. Um, it's all digital wallet. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're good representations of, of really what, what is happening out in the market. So, so branches are, the, the importance of branches, I think, are diminishing. I think when somebody actually suits up and walks into a branch, it's for a more complicated uh, financial transaction to find out about a mortgage or some kind of more complex loan. In the same hand, why carry, why carry money around? Why carry cash that can be lost or easily misplaced when in, in our hands with our smart device, we can point and click I love that I don't even have to get my credit cards out of this wallet anymore because I have everything I need on my smart device. I can point and click and pay for uh, my coffee or anything that, you know, my airline ticket. So I always joke that, you know, I travel quite a bit. And uh, you really can travel around the country, around the world now uh, with just your smart device and be connected to your financial institution um, to your your credit uh, cards, your lenders, and really do everything that you that you need to do. So, you know, all of this is indicative of of changing consumer behavior behavior. And um, again, it all comes back to m- all financial institutions are more focused on their customers, their needs, with innovation at the heart and making that personalized.
0: That stat about how many agree that the branch model will die is absolutely staggering isn't it when you consider how crucial the branch was i don't think that means as you say that the physical location dies far from it there's a couple of things like uh, the physical location for transactional stuff may change a little bit um you know we see in the uk that post offices are increasingly used retailers and, and and this the same in the us i'm sure down with with what you see with green dot Uh, but also the role of what the branch is there to do. At 11FS, we talk about um, digital having like at least four, maybe a few more components to it, being digitally rich. Everything that's digital has to be real time. So it can't mean I have to physically travel there to go do it later or something like that. It has to be real time, that's table stakes. Has to be intelligent. So don't get me the consumer to do the job that somebody in a branch would do, figure it out for me, be intelligent. Um, And then figure out the context. It's like, don't make me prove who I am to you every time I call you because I've got my mobile device. I've probably logged into the thing. Like, have the context about me and personalize and then be human. Digital doesn't mean we have to lose the human side of what we do. Uh, it just means that that's taken a different form and maybe that's in chat applications and other things that I'm sure you're you're seeing elsewhere. So like that real-time intelligent contextual human is something that we at 11FS work with our clients on an awful lot when designing new propositions. Uh, and I think that uh, really speaks to the center of gravity shift that we that we talked about earlier. Uh, I want to come back to to Vlad on this point because uh, the human side of banking was what the credit unions always differentiated on. How do they maintain that and differentiate on that in a market where there are new people coming? How do they display that humanity through uh, and that relationship if they don't have the branches anymore?
3: Well, the unfortunate truth is that there's no more loyalty in banking. There's no more loyalty in credit unions either, right? So in the past, you would, you would, you know, uh, my colleagues might disagree, but in the past, you would be, you know, proud of your relationship with Bank of America. You would be proud of your relationship with Chase Bank, for example, or with a, a specific credit union. Uh, but nowadays, consumers really look for products, and they want the products to be available to them. Just like you said, uh, they need to be in the right context, and they need to be consumable. They need, you know. Uh, um, a person need to be able to access the product or service at uh, their own uh, convenience. Um, Not only that, uh, terms are now very important, meaning that if you get a cheaper loan elsewhere, if if, uh, another bank gives you a better mortgage, uh, you will happily switch. In the past, just opening a a mortgage, you would need to walk into a branch, talk to a banker and so on. Right right now, um, you can shop online for better rates. In fact, a lot of mortgages are originated through uh, comparison engines, for example. So comparison e- engines they eliminate um, this relationship that you would in the past or loyalty that you would in the past have with the bank. So um, so a long story short, I think uh, I think that uh, the only way to maintain this personal. Touch for credit unions uh, is to be on par with uh, with other financial institutions, with with bigger banks, to deliver products and services in a contextual manner through a mobile device in a manner that's expected uh, by the end consumer.
0: I think that uh, go to where the customer is and go to where their demand is is something that you've done. You said kind of at the beginning as well and I think something that we, we've all kind of touched on Dan I'm interested in your perspective as well on um, banking as a service we've we've sort of thrown that word around a little bit um, in, in the in, in the kind of earlier parts of the topic um, you know banking as a service is one of these key business models enabled by cloud by api's by all of this new technology how's that evolving in the US market because I do think there are like lots of ships lost in the fog on that one. It was, it's it's a term that gets thrown around. How do you think about it?
1: Yeah, I I think you said it well. I mean, it's we we've, we've thrown this term around, and I would say that if if you asked each of us on this call to, to write the definition of banking of a service, they would probably all you'd get three different definitions. And I think it's it's just one of those, you know, <clears throat> I mean, there there's, it's just one of those terms that I think kind of encompasses. You know so many things and it means different things to different organizations and what i can say from green dot's perspective okay what what our banking as a service means um and we've shifted on this because prior to my arrival um you know green dot took the approach well we have a bank let's create some apis and we'll let any joe fintech write to those apis and um I think that that is a Bass model that a lot of banks follow, and I think that that's you know a good model, especially for a lot of small community banks, to where they're looking for growth. Well, here's a great way for some small community banks to to leverage the value of their charter, and you know utilize you know and in cheap investment capital that other fintechs have acquired to be able to increase the deposits or fee income of that that institution. Okay? That's not what Bass is for us. What Bass is for us is realizing that we have got some of the world's greatest partners as partners of Green Dot. We provide banking and payments and card issuing services for Walmart, for Apple, for QuickBooks, for Amazon, for Uber and others. And so our Bass business is and that's why the, you know that our partnership with Temenos is so mission critical for us here is um, as i mentioned earlier we, you know we have 20 million active accounts right now that we service okay and those accounts range from demand deposit accounts where it's a primary bank account for a consumer to not much more than just a stored value account be it a prepaid card or you know a payments account embedded in one of our partners apps so if you think about the power that in potential that we have with our partners of, you know, Walmart, which is, you know, still, you know, the, the largest company in the world by counts of revenue and Apple with the, you know, it reached a $3 trillion market cap and Uber and Amazon as the likes, you know, we needed a partner like Temenos to, to run our platform so that we can scale to have literally hundreds of millions of accounts that we're going to be servicing with our partners. So when we say, quote unquote, our bass business, you know, we're not in the business of renting a bin out to every Joe Fintech. You know, we are the business of really being the financial institution, the bank, the service provider behind these, you know, Very, very strong consumer-facing organizations we're partnered with.
0: I think that point of like not everybody doing banking as a service does it the same way. And there's real differentiation between what, you know, the renter, renter, bin, as you say, a, a bank identification number and do debit cards and acquire that. Um, if if you are listening and you're one of those ships lost in the fog and or struggle with the definitions on that, 11FS produced the Banking as a Service report, which is available on 11FS.com. Um, we also produced a YouTube series called Decoding Banking as a Service, which I believe Green Dot even took a, a, a part in. So kind of giving that some context. Um, so do check that out if you get the opportunity. Jacqueline, um, I want to come to the point that Dan just raised about you know, kind of the perspective Temnos has on banking as a service. What are you seeing uh, in that trend specifically in North America?
2: Sure. So banking as a service is not just a trend. It's a mega trend, right, in North America. It is, it is uh, really, um, it, as Dan beautifully uh, articulated, it really is uh, one of the key uh, differentiators, I think, for all financial institutions right now. Uh, we see a lot of activity in the market um, for, you know, organizations to provide new products, services, and partnerships. And I'll, I'll give you an example. As Dan was talking, you know, it, it takes your breath away when you hear about all of the uh, the ecosystem of which Green Dot is a part, right? With with Apple, Uber, Walmart, etc. And it and it gives you a sense of the magnitude of, of of really what is entailed when we talk about banking as a service. Let me give one other example. Um, you know, buy now, pay later. You you probably have heard um, our listeners have probably heard a lot about the buy now, pay later model. It makes me smile because it's really something very old that's being resurrected and and uh, is new again, right? I think a lot of us grew up seeing our grandparents do layaway, and you know, you'd go and you would pay a little bit every week or every month until you could afford whatever it is you were buying. Now it's all about this, you know, credit at the point of purchase. And I remember when I started seeing this earlier in the year, right? Uh, you're being advertised to on a social media platform, Instagram, for example. They know your demographic, your age, your taste, and suddenly it's it's almost frightening, right? You can wake up in the middle of the night, uh, be scrolling to get back to sleep. You see something you like, and with one click, you have been extended credit. You have... Purchase something with one click, and it's on its way uh, to your home or to your delivery location before you even go back to sleep, right? So, this buy now pay later is a is an excellent example of banking as a, as a service. I'll I'll let I'll give again just one more example of this specific to Temenos. We worked with PayPal to launch their buy now pay later offering. And uh, in the cloud, no less. And PayPal sell the customer experience has, you know, again, as I mentioned, become the differentiator in banking. So they wanted, PayPal wanted to use technology to create a faster, easier, more seamless way for consumers to access credit. So they they we worked on their buy now, pay later proposition. And it's been a huge success with almost 20 million loan applications in the first nine months. And in fact, uh, PayPal CEO Dan Schulman described it as, the fastest start to any product they've ever launched and you know we at temenos are thrilled to be the technology the infrastructure the platform that is uh, providing all that and allowing paypal to turn around and offer that exciting innovation and solution to their our joint customers
0: BNPL is the perfect example of embedded finance slash banking as a service slash all, all of that kind of good stuff. And I think it's the one that everybody's seen and understands. So thank you for, for, for going there. And I think we've done a really good job so far in this show of talking about where we've been, where we are. Um, but let's talk a little bit about where we're going next. Um, Vlad, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, what do you think the big innovations are as you look in the next two to three years? What should executives be for focusing on, let's say they, they're one of those one third who are already mBank customers that are already thinking about, you know they're already doing digital pretty pretty well. What's on the horizon? What do you, where do you need to be investing? Where do you need to be focusing? What are the trends going to be?
3: Sure. I think one thing that uh, we've seen uh, quite a significant um, uh, impact on the market uh, is crypto um, and the basically the business models uh, and use cases that we didn't even think about in the past. Uh, since the regulator became more amenable to, uh, to distributed finance, um, just basically being more open towards blockchain, uh, we see credit unions, uh, also responding to that. Everybody's at a minimum asking a question. So I think that what's going to happen in the future is that, um, us as technology providers, um, in, with our partnership with Teminus, we need to enable those new business models. We need to enable the, uh, the use cases, which probably did not exist uh, one or two years ago. Uh, and we need to bring this to a wider audience, you know, not just uh, uh, incumbent or existing financial institutions, but also challenger banks, but also non-bank financial institutions, fintechs, uh, and of course, credit unions alike.
0: Well, indeed. And if you are a credit union or even a, just a, a smaller bank in the US, go look at the case study of Silvergate Bank, who have built their platform and, and story really around serving for the, the crypto market. Um, and, and there are many other good examples like it that are, that are doing a really good job of serving that sector. So the role you play as a bank might not always be um, directly distributing crypto to your consumers, but helping enable the, your commercial customers who, who want to do, do the do that kind of thing uh, and anything if you are interested in this subject um, we have a whole sister podcast blockchain insider so do check that out um, I'm going to come to Jacqueline because uh, the point there about trends one that's sort of been around for a while but doesn't seem to have really had its moment or at least even it may have a ton of room to run is cloud-based banking and everything to do with cloud so what have you seen so far what is adoption looking like and, and what do you think that's going to look like?
2: So, as I mentioned right out of uh, right at the beginning of our conversation, it's um, you know it's all about this rapid adoption of the cloud, right? And again, I think the p- pandemic has has accelerated uh, a direction and a movement toward uh, cloud based banking that <clears throat> was already in motion, but but it certainly accelerated. But there's still so much opportunity in the U.S. enabled by cloud banking. So it it enables new entrants. Uh, into the market because it lowers the barrier of entry. It creates new business models and partnerships like like Banking as a Service and BNPL, which we just talked about. But, you know, there are still new opportunities and partnerships to be explored and new ecosystems and players to be defined. And I really think that as long as customer needs continue evolving and we can be certain that they will, um, you know, industries are going to be innovating and demanding you know, financial services keep up, so I don't think we're I don't think we're going to see any any kind of diminishing, uh, you know, volume of 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 the need for banking to continue innovating um, and getting stronger and and bigger and more robust on the cloud. Um, you know, cloud banking is a is a particular game changer because it reduces the the cost of business. Um, and it lowers the cost of creating meaningful financial products for organizations like like Green Dot. Um, we, uh, you know, I'll, I'll finish and I'll just give you one quick example. So uh, Varo Bank, they were the first fintech in the U.S. to get a banking license uh, last year, and then in just about 13 months, Varo has doubled its accounts and tripled its revenues. Right. So, so their mission is to make financial inclusion a reality, um, you know, for, for perhaps the underserved um, in society. And so, you know, they've been able to offer their customers accounts that have no minimum balance requirement, no account fees, uh, tech first features, and um, they're able to do it by using cloud technology technology. Um, that's allowing them to run 75% lower cost than traditional banks. And, you know, these benefits are passed straight on to the customer. And I know that uh, we plan to do the same thing with Green Dot to facilitate their customer base as well.
0: I think if you've reduced your costs by 75%, you can give some of that back to the customer to differentiate. And my goodness, does that make you ever stand out? But there was something between the lines of what you said that really stood out to me, which was around the pace of change. Um, And the speed at which those new features are being rolled out, which is often one of the hidden benefits of uh, working in cloud, working in mobile, is uh, actually you don't have to wait for a release cycle every quarter to be able to to deploy. You're not waiting for that once per month shot that you've got. And you're not worried about, oh, well, if I pull this pin out, is the whole thing going to fall over on my, on my legacy call? Like, actually, the adaptability of cloud is, is often one of the most undersold benefits. Um, Dan, I'm going to come to you on this because you have some experience with it. And, and Jacqueline also mentioned the financial inclusion word. I wonder how uh, cost can really help us on the financial inclusion side.
1: Yeah, you know, to me, Simon, that's, that's what will ultimately create financial inclusion in this country. And, you know, if you, it's, it's about cost and it's about innovation. Um, We, with our, you know, partnership with Temenos, what we, Green Dot, who've been here 20 years now, we are finally building our own platform. So like so many fintechs that are out there today, you know, we're using somebody else's processing platform. So, you know, we cannot innovate as quickly as I would like for us to innovate because we're at the mercy of somebody else's systems and operations. So by getting our own platform built, having the scalability of Temenos, having it in the cloud, okay, that gives us great scalability, great reliability, and great reduction of costs. And also, you know, the ability to to innovate very quickly um, and create great products to, to serve our partners, but ultimately the end consumer. And- you know, I've been, um, you know, serving low moderate income consumers in the U.S. since 2008, trying to, you know, to kind of crack this code, if you will. And when we look at, you know, you know, the first thing that was somewhat was easy to crack, if you will, with the prepaid debit card, when that came about was, you know, a simple bank account. And because, you know, with a prepaid debit card, which in my opinion really is a debit card virtual demand deposit account you you know, companies like Green Dot were able to offer a customer a, a free bank account because they didn't have all the infrastructure costs that traditional banks and traditional retail banking models had to have. Build a branch, staff it up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you think about that also, you're oh my gosh, well, it's you know, low income consumers, they can't they can't get any credit, they can't get a loan. Why is that? Well, because you know, the, the underwriting costs, the cost of a physical person and all that stuff to, to, to write a $250 loan is just as much as a $30,000 or $300,000 loan, right? And so what's financial inclusion is coming and it's coming very quickly, okay? Because as we talked about earlier on this call, you know, the power where everybody's got a computer with 5G in their pocket combined with all systems in the cloud combined with a change of mindset that i don't have to walk into a you know a brick and mortar branch and talk to a dedicated banking representative i can do this online you know it just it sheds it brings away all the costs and it brings away access at a very very affordable price and once you have access at a very very affordable price then you have financial inclusion
0: it's a complete game changer, and another subject near and dear to the hearts so of many credit unions, Vlad. I'm interested in your perspectives on that point.
3: So, I would say that um, historically, when the credit union movement started in um, in the 30s, um, almost 100 years ago, this was really uh, what they were there to do. They were there to provide access to financial services generally for those who otherwise would not have access uh, to the financial system. So, having said that, um, over time, credit unions also evolved and, uh, they started providing products and services which are very much akin to banking products and services. So where credit unions play nowadays is, um, is, is in a similar, uh, space to, to banks. However, credit unions are still serving their communities and oftentimes the communities are underserved. Oftentimes the communities are ethnic communities. Uh, oftentimes the communities are represented by a specific trade industry or profession. So, um, I think that credit unions really is, um, one of the uh, key mechanisms as to how introduce, how to introduce, uh, financial inclusion on a wider scale. Having said that, credit unions have quite a narrow mandate. So to, to Dan's point, for example, we, we as a, uh, as technology providers and as financial institutions, we need to enable Um, use cases which currently do not, um, um, which currently provide services to underbanked, underserved, uh, those who are not even covered by credit unions or not covered by uh, traditional financial institutions.
0: Here, here. Let's hope we do see a lot more of that. It's uh, it's not just tech for tech's sake. Um, and we've actually seen some really interesting businesses emerge in the digital only space that that serve uh, for that, that are built on banking as a service providers. As I think about uh, Daylight for the LGTB community, as I think about uh, Cheddar that's really looking at the Asian American experience, as I think about uh, Greenwood Bank and, and all of the organizations out there that are going after the underserved nation, as you say, often the uh, under-include and they overcharged because they didn't fit inside a credit model uh, or the cost to serve was, was way too high. So long may we see that continue. Uh, all right, we are almost out of time, and I can't believe that's happened so quickly. This has flown by. Uh, so I'm going to ask each of you very, very quickly um, what advice you would give to a startup founder who wants to build in fintech in the US over the next year. Um, Dan, I'm going to come to you first on this one. What, what's the like soundbite of advice you give to every fintech founder?
1: Mine would be grab as much investment capital as you can right now, because these valuations and this froth is not going to last forever. So grab it now while you can get it and be very respectful with that capital and just know that you know it may be all you get.
0: Yeah. Interesting time in the cycle as interest rates come back. Jacqueline, what are your thoughts? What would you what would you advise?
2: Sure. Um, I have to give the advice I give myself every day, which is you have to think about customer first. And uh, your proposition to the market, what is going to differentiate you, your organization and your offering from the array of of other um, organizations and offerings that are out there? And how is it going to serve our combined collective customer? It's got to be customer first. You have to secondly, think about your technology and choose it wisely. You got to think cloud first because that's the direction that we're going. That is the future. That's that's where you're going to be is in the cloud. So think about your technology wisely. Think cloud first. Thirdly, partner uh, for scale and innovation, right? I see so many uh, out-of-the-gate organizations only thinking about how do we turn key and, and get up and running that's not going to happen. Things, these things take off like brush fire in a very good way, right? And so you have to be able to scale. And you're going to have to have have thought that through, uh, you know, well before it's time to scale. And uh, you know, as Dan said, it's an exciting time in our market. It's, uh, it keeps us all on our toes every day. Uh, there is enormous potential uh, and opportunity out there. And again, it's all about choosing the right partners to go to market with, having the right technology, the right enablers uh, that are that are truly customer uh, focused and customer first.
0: Here, here. Uh, Vlad, your thoughts for founders getting started?
3: Well, it's hard to top that. Um, I would just focus on one thing, uh, partnerships. Um, I would say uh, for any young company to embrace partnership is key. Our partnership with Deminus has been life-changing in many ways. Um, I would say that there are a lot of of best-of-breed innovators who will do little things that you might also be able to do, but they will do it better. So let's partner with them, too. Let's bring uh, as many of those best-of-breed innovators together, uh, and let's deliver our value proposition as a joint value proposition with them.
0: There's so much to know about the market and so many things to discover. Wow, I I can't believe that wraps us already. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me. Uh, Where can people find out a little bit more about you and your company? I'm going to start with Dan.
1: Oh, you can find us out there. Go to our website. Go to social media. We're out there.
0: Perfect, uh, Jacqueline. What do people find out more about you and Temenos?
2: Same thing. You can find us on our website, social media, and also uh, reach out directly. We'd welcome an opportunity to talk with you to strategize, talk about innovation, where you're trying to go, and how Temenos can facilitate that.
3: Brilliant. I'm Vlad uh same mbank.com mbanq.com and uh, my email is ceo at mbank.com
0: now oh, that's handy I, I need to get me one of those or something like that uh you can find me uh, at sy taylor on twitter or you can uh, find me on linkedin you can find 11fs at 11fs.com uh if you want to know more about the content we produce or how we support uh, building digital banks around the world uh thank you for listening If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us to make the show better and it helps others find the show too. So go ahead and leave us that review. And as always, if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider. And if you want to get to the production team directly, email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you so, so much and goodbye for now.